Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today, like yesterday, we're going to be talking about CD Projekt Red's massive video game launch of Cyberpunk 2077 and really the tumult and controversy that has proceeded therefrom. Because a lot of players are playing it on the base PlayStation 4, on the base Xbox One, and have found the performance of those games to be wanting, which is something that CDPR has admitted. Which led to, early this morning, yesterday, depending on how you are thinking about this, what time zone you are in, CD Projekt Red had a bit of an unexpected, unplanned, unscheduled teleconference, a call to assuage the fears of its public investors about what's going on with Cyberpunk 2077. And this was linked to me in a couple of places, but I wanted to give special shout out uh, to Nibble Lion on Twitter, who put out the specific transcript, made a few comments of his own, so you can check those out as I link them in this video. But he said CD Projekt Red had a conference call a few hours ago where they admit that they didn't spend enough time in the last-gen versions of Cyberpunk 2077, and assume that Sony and Microsoft expected them to fix the problems before launch. This is only one of a number of very interesting answers that they gave as part of this call, and the transcript was available, so we're going to go over it in today's video. If you didn't catch yesterday's virtual legality, I do want to update you on what CD Projekt Red did, because it's going to come up as part of our discussion of this transcript. I did a video yesterday called How Not to Make an Apology, the cyberpunk story, because CD Projekt Red has really put their foot in it in a couple of places on this launch. I also gave my tilt on the game, which is to say I've been playing it all weekend. I haven't enjoyed what I've been playing on the Series X. It's not perfect, but I haven't actually had that many bugs or things that are a detriment to my experience on that platform. The Witcher 3 is one of my favorite games of all time. I am tilted. I'm inclined to like a CD Projekt Red release, but they have made a number of mistakes here, not the least of which was going out yesterday with an apology that wasn't really an apology, talking about the fact that they know they hid all coverage of the last-gen consoles, and we're sorry for hiding all of that. They offered to give refunds, kind of, where they told consumers to ask the Xbox or the PlayStation Network store for a refund. And as we talked about in yesterday's video, those console hardware manufacturers have their own policies that they will evaluate how long you've played, what the nature of the game is. In the case of Sony, they won't give any refunds once you've started downloading unless the game has proven to be faulty, which is a concern for people that are going through this refund process. One possibility was that CD Projekt Red had gone and talked to Sony and Microsoft and said, hey, this is what's going to happen. We need you to honor these kinds of things. Uh, but it's very, very clear as part of this transcript we are about to read that they basically didn't talk to anyone. An early version of the title of this video was actually going to be How to Burn Everyone, the CDPR story, because they've burned journalists, they've burned gamers, they've burned their hardware platform partners, and it doesn't really seem to be getting better. This is one of the reasons I've said CD Projekt Red should probably stop talking, but that in and of itself is a bit of tongue-in-cheek kind of comment because as a publicly traded, invested-in company, they really don't have an option to just go to ground and hide out in a hole like Hello Games did with respect to No Man's Sky. CD Projekt Red is out there. They've got a lot of this money. Investors want to know what's going on. And thus, you have a long-form damage control call 
This is Adam Kaczynski, and I apologize in advance for the pronunciations here. Despite being Polish myself, I am not great at pronouncing these Polish names at CD Projekt Red. But Adam Kaczynski, joint CEO of CD Projekt, says this meeting was organized to discuss the situation right after the launch of Cyberpunk 2077. He's joined by their chief financial officer, the other joint CEO, and a board member responsible for publishing, which might just be unique to Polish companies. That's an unusual kind of designation. You'd usually have an actual officer responsible for publishing and not designate them in a call like this one as a board member, but that's just a corporate organization aside. We released Cyberpunk 2077 four days ago on December the 10th. The game had a strong opening, and we've got positive feedback from players enjoying it on stronger machines. Again, you want to set things positively. You want people to feel good about your company, even though this is clearly an emergency kind of transmission. PCs and next-gen consoles and Stadia. But the initial feedback from those playing it on the oldest last-gen consoles is way below our expectations. So note they're already kind of slicing the onion pretty thinly here. Stronger Machines is PC and next-gen consoles and Stadia, although later in this specific discussion, they will comment on the fact that there isn't actually a next-gen version. But there are older last-gen consoles that aren't even referenced in this sentence, right? Can you see them? They refer only to the oldest last-gen consoles, the base versions, the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, and not the Xbox One X and the PlayStation 4 Pro, even though we've seen reports across the internet that those versions aren't terribly great themselves. In fact, Digital Foundry, which we talked about yesterday, did a comparison of the, I believe it was the PlayStation 4 Pro and the Xbox Series S, which have similar kind of output with respect to graphics. Obviously, the Series S has a more advanced kind of architecture now, a number of years after the release of the PlayStation 4 Pro, but talking about how the Series S really defied expectations by being significantly better than the PlayStation 4 Pro was at operating the Cyberpunk game. But they want to give this positive message. They want to say, hey, it's really only those super old consoles, the 2013 consoles. And honestly, investors, who could expect an Xbox One to run Cyberpunk 2077, regardless of how we have marketed it for years and years and years? CD Projekt is a team that puts all their efforts and hearts to deliver amazing games. I I actually believe that. I love their games. So how was it even possible that it has come to this? Always good to have your joint CEO asking himself rhetorical questions. Always a good sign. After three delays, we as the management board were too focused on releasing the game. Now, that is a self-inflicted wound right? This is an excuse. They're trying to tell the investors, hey, after we had delayed it three times, and we've done videos in virtual legality about how this is very problematic for communications. When you say April, then September, then November, then December, that's not how to run a railroad. You don't want to do that. If you had said last E3, it's 2020, and then you roll into the fall and say, "Mm, maybe it's December 2020. If you go and make it February, March, April, May 2021, that feels very differently than this April, September, November, December kind of chain of events. So they want to say after these three delays, we were too focused on releasing the game. We needed to hit launch. We couldn't delay it again. It had become all too much. But the management board is responsible for that. The company is responsible for that. So they're right in analyzing the situation as they found themselves in in early December, but it's a self-inflicted wound. We underestimated the scale and complexity of the issues. We ignored the signals about the need for additional time to refine the game on the base last-gen consoles, the oldest of the old. They're not really talking about those, those hybrid pro consoles. It was the wrong approach, 
and against our business philosophy. On top of that, during the campaign, we showed the game mostly on PCs. It's a weird sentence, right? Because one of my primary complaints about how CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk have handled all of this is that there was a deliberate obfuscation of the game running on consoles really entirely, although they will take credit for a couple of small videos that ran on next-gen consoles as part of this particular call. But not only that, that they hid all footage, even from people that got it early, that DMCA takedown notices that were completely outside of normal copyright procedures were in play. And this is framed in this call as effectively an accident that happened to them. On top of that, we, we just forgot to show anything other than PC stuff. So it really compounded the issue. When the, the reasonable person probably looks at this state of affairs and says, you hit it. You, you didn't want to show it because you knew how bad it looked. This cost the loss of gamers' trust and the reputation that we've been building through a big part of our lives. And that's an important acknowledgement. This is the kind of acknowledgement that I would have liked to have seen in this apology yesterday. We know that our actions and behaviors here have caused the loss of your trust and the reputation we've been building, and we seek to gain it back. It's good to see it listed here for investors. It's good to see it referenced at all by CD Projekt Red, but that's the kind of statement that really should have gone out to the gamers directly. That's why our first steps are solely focused on regaining those two things. We are concentrated on fixing Cyberpunk on last-gen consoles. The first substantial set of fixes was released over the weekend. The next set of fixes will be released within the next seven days. That's worth noting. I don't believe the apology actually talks about another patch coming, but it appears there's going to be another patch for the console versions, which they keep referring to as the last-gen console versions. But it's important to note, if you aren't playing Cyberpunk or you just don't know what had happened here, there is no next-gen version of Cyberpunk 2077 released right now. That CD Projekt Red released effectively a series or, or an Xbox One version and a PlayStation 4 version. And because of backward compatibility and the brute force power of the next-gen systems, they run pretty good on the PlayStation 5 and on the Xbox Series X. But they aren't officially next-gen versions. So when they talk about fixing last-gen versions, it becomes a little bit unclear what that's aimed at. If it's specifically just performance on specifically the 2013 versions of the consoles, or if it's also performance across really all consoles, because those are the only versions that are out there in the wild. Big updates are planned for January and February, together with smaller fixes. Of course, PC gamers will also be getting regular updates and fixes to improve the game. We will do everything possible to prove that we stick to our values. We truly hope that our efforts will let us rebuild the trust we have lost, and thank you, we're now ready for questions. So that's the whole statement. Hey, we're calling this because we know you have a lot of questions for us. Just to let you know, we've received a lot of positive feedback, but we really felt we needed to get this thing out, and we're going to ignore the secondary part of that sentence, which is because we really screwed up on the prior three dates that we gave for this year. We understand we lost trust because we didn't show any of this stuff that's now apparently horrible and everybody hates, but we're going to fix things. We've got a patch coming. We've got bigger updates in January and February. So everything's going to be okay. Does anybody have any questions? And so 
Here come those questions and those answers. Now, one thing, if you haven't listened to a transcript, you haven't looked at this, they don't actually do a great job of keeping people to one question or even kind of one conceptual question. Uh, and so we're going to get a lot of multiples of questions, and I'm going to try my best to organize those in a way that makes sense as we talk about them as part of this video. So you can see in the highlights the actual questions here with a lot of extra color on a call like this one. So they want, give us some more color on the impact this has had on sales over the first four days. Give us a sense of whether you think you could have released this game on old gen consoles in the way you wanted to if you had more developers, more people. And how do you feel about your ability to actually release a couple of DLCs next year as had been the plan and obviously multiplayer in 2022. In other words, hey, if you're having this much trouble actually releasing the game, should we even believe that you're going to hit your roadmap dates that you've put out there before now? So they answer these questions kind of separately. They say, first of all, we definitely saw good initial sales, especially on PC. In fact, one of the things that CD Projekt Red actually went out there with before their apology from yesterday was, wow, we sold 8 million pre-orders. Uh, of our game, you should be impressed by us. And then, hey, we apologize for maybe hiding how the game performed on the systems that are most available for people that are playing games on their television sets. Obviously, the current situation will cause console sales to drop. But at this moment on Monday, it's far too early to provide detailed feedback on that. Now, this answer is worth noting because you will see it in a couple of places in this transcript or even in places that I didn't highlight and won't read to you now if you go and check it out on your own later on. They give this answer that it's too early to tell a lot. And strategically, as a corporate guy, I want to point out that that does indicate to me that a conversation of this nature is probably too early to have taken place. That a number of these folks, investors in general, even gamers, will want to know, what does this mean? How are you seeing the apology reflected in your sales? Who's asking for refunds? What is happening to your actual bottom line? And CD Projekt Red will continue to say, ah, it's too early to tell. We just issued the apology yesterday. So who knows? And to me, if I'm an investor, I look at an answer like that and say, well, then why isn't this call two days from now when you say you're going to collect more data? Why is it now? And the answer to that, if we're being really cynical, is that they can give this answer right now where it legitimately is too early to tell. They can't give that answer in two days and they don't want to give that answer at all until maybe quarter one of next year when they have their strategy call or maybe even later, maybe in financial reports. It's hard to say. But you get into a situation like this where you have this kind of emergency teleconference to potentially assuage fears where one of the answers that you give to a lot of questions is, oh, it's too soon to tell. In terms of delivering the game at a certain point, it's really not about the number of people. This is in response to could more developers have helped. It's not like throwing in in the last month 200 or so people would have actually helped. So the answer is no, this is not related to the fact that we could have thrown 300 or 500 more people into the fray and things would have happened differently. Now that answer I think is exactly correct. It's kind of, uh, if not naive, at least a little easy uh, of a question for an investor like this to ask, hey, could you have just thrown more people on it to get a better performance on consoles? generally software development, whether that's video games or whether that's enterprise or anything else, it certainly can't be helped at the very tail end just by throwing bodies at it. But even if you've kind of incorporated them into your pipeline, it really is the case that too many chefs can spoil the broth, that there can be too many people aimed at a specific goal. And at some level, you kind of maximize your efficiencies. And so it, it doesn't surprise me that CD Projekt Red says, no, look, 
We had enough people. It's just that this process was taking time. And you can read between the lines of all of these answers, but you get to this approach that basically says, well, this thing probably should have been released in another six months, maybe even another nine months. Uh, But we couldn't do that after we had already revealed three different dates. In respect to the third question, the roadmap, the timeline, how much can you trust us in the future? To be honest, it's too early to judge. We'll discuss this early next year. Then we have the second set of questions. Have you seen a flood of refund requests? Do you think that you needed to have more external testing? And regarding multiplayer, given what you've been seeing now, should we really be thinking that it's a year out from the 2022 date that you gave us? Again, it's really a copy of that first question. I'll answer the first question regarding refunds. We are not encouraging gamers to return the game. We hope they will give us the chance to to improve it on old gen consoles. And that's one of the things we noted in yesterday's video, right? You put the refund here in the bottom paragraph after you already promised that you're going to fix everything up and that everybody should be happy with the game you're going to deliver because the structure of this statement is we're sorry for hiding everything from you. We're going to fix it. But if you really still don't trust us, you can go potentially ask for a refund from the PlayStation Network or Xbox or your local retailer. But you don't really want to do that because look at the the paragraph right above it. We're going to fix this thing. Don't do that. And that's exactly what they tell investors. We, We are not encouraging refunds. We wanted to tell people that refunds are an option without actually doing anything to facilitate them, as we will see. But we hope that they give us the chance to improve it on old gen consoles. One fix was released last weekend, as they said above. Another is coming in seven days. But there's an option, obviously, and the easiest way is to ask the retailer for a refund. If that's not possible, we also provide help, which is still an open question even with this statement. We commented yesterday that said, for box versions, please first try to get a refund at the store. Should this not be possible, please contact us. And does that apply? Is that intended to apply to the sentence immediately prior to talking about box versions where they say use the refund system on PlayStation or Xbox. It doesn't seem that way. Didn't seem that way in the statement. Doesn't seem that way right now. It depends on what you mean by the term retailer. Is the PlayStation Network or the Xbox store, are they a retailer? We don't usually think of them that way. As of today on refunds, it's too early to say. We've just begun the process and we sincerely hope that gamers will prefer to wait for updates since they had waited so long for the game. But again, this is our humble hope. We'll assess the situation in a couple of days when we have the numbers. They'll assess it internally. Will anybody be told about these things? Hard to say. Again, this call does seem to be taken early, maybe in part to avoid answering those questions directly. I'll take the second and third question. We have an internal quality assurance department, QA, and we're working with external companies as well. One thing that perhaps didn't help us is COVID. Hasn't helped anybody in any industry. Internal testers are able to test the game working from home because we provide them with our connected machines and so on. But external testers working for external companies were not able to test the game from homes. They're not able to work. Now, there's a couple of things that jump out there, right? But regardless of what the rest of this answer says, and the rest of this answer says, eh, really wasn't down to number of testers. We don't want that to be the big issue. You see that they definitely had fewer testers testing quality assurance than they had anticipated. They were ready with this answer. And also that CD Projekt Red's own specific kind of data protection policies didn't allow them to send out these connected units to external companies, regardless of what NDAs or anything were out there. The reason for that, and this isn't necessarily a wrong reason, it only really comes up in this 
particular scenario is that you're trying to make sure there aren't leaks. You're trying to make sure you don't get into that Last of Us scenario or any other scenario where any major media property has leaked. But when you do that, when you say, hey, you can't have these connected machines at your home, regardless of the contractual rights and obligations we've agreed to between each other, you start to get less and less efficiency on things like testing. And so CD Projekt Red did have that issue, even if they are trying to underplay it. And it's a result of the policies that they had. Are those wrong policies? It's hard to say. You don't know exactly what you don't know, regardless of what you think you can protect with an NDA. It might not actually prevent a leak. And so it doesn't affront my senses to have a company say, hey, we didn't want them to go out to external companies. But here we are with a version of the game that gets hugely lower scores and has everybody up in arms because it really didn't reflect what people thought they were going to buy. The third one about multiplayer, we haven't confirmed any dates yet, and as I've said before, it's hard to judge. Now, our focus remains on gamers. And can I sneak in another question among the more than 8 million pre-orders that you have? Did you include in this figure people who started downloading about two days before launch on PC? They weren't really pre-orders, they were just getting it lined up so that they could play. Well, yes, because if they started the pre-download, they must have placed the pre-order. This questioner actually says it's treated differently across the industry. I don't know of anybody that actually separates out the the, the pre-orders that are six months ago from the pre-orders that are on the eve of. I think technically, most of the time, my game purchases, if they're made digitally, count as pre-orders because if I wait and I see reviews and it looks like a game I'm going to enjoy, I do tend to order it the day before, whenever downloads are available so that I can get that download going through my digital system. So it's a worthwhile question, but I don't know of anybody that actually separates out those numbers. If you do, uh, let me know in the comments to this video because I do think it's probably a worthwhile distinction, but CD Projekt Red said they didn't make that distinction. So technically, you know, I'm a pre-order for Cyberpunk, even though I bought the game uh, the day before it came out. A couple of questions from question number three. Should we take it that you had found it was very important that the game shouldn't be delayed into the next year? And secondly, and related to that, very interesting question and answer here, at the certification stage, presumably Microsoft and Sony always get games that still have bugs and decide they're going to be okay, partly on the basis of discussions with you that there will be fixes. Or do you feel somehow that the certification process is kind of only one side or the other and failed to identify just how underperforming the last-gen version was? Are you confident that last-gen machines will be able to produce an acceptable version of this game? So it's three questions, really. The first is talking about, was it really important to release it right now? It is more about us looking, as was previously stated, at the PC and next-gen performance rather than current-gen. They don't think it's related specifically to their need to release the game, even though their opening statement basically suggested that it was. We definitely did not spend enough time looking at that current-gen performance. I wouldn't say that we felt any external or internal pressure to launch on the date, other than the normal pressure, which is typical for any release. Now, here's where you kind of strain credulity, right? You've got a set of consoles that are all that's out there in the world while CD Projekt Red is making this game cyberpunk, is having their big E3 releases with their big cyber tunnels and giving away statues to everybody and having their closed door sessions. And all that exists at that point in time is at bare minimum, the PlayStation 4 Pro and the Xbox One X. And they do try to say that this only relates to the 2013 consoles as part of some of these answers, but not always. And they say, we definitely did not spend enough time looking at that. It really does strain credibility. Now, maybe it's the fact 
that CD Projekt Red was effectively making a PC game and what we would consider as low-quality ports for the consoles. But it was never framed that way. It was never marketed that way. And it's only now coming out that internally CD Projekt Red might have been thinking about it that way. This is mostly an issue of communication. If you want to tell me that you're making Crisis back in the day for the PC and that at some point the PlayStation 3 is going to get a version of Crisis, I'm going to understand it's going to be a fairly crappy port of that game, that you're trying to take advantage of the highest of the high end of the PC, and it appears that Cyberpunk 2077 was really designed around that philosophy, but not really understood by everyone in terms of marketing and in terms of gamers until it released on these older systems. So you've got this kind of catch-22, and I really fundamentally don't believe when CD Projekt Red says we weren't really looking at how it performed on the systems that were out, that the most people in the world had, we just were focused on other things. Now, what I said was very interesting is this certification question. And I think people get, excuse me, I think people get confused about what the certification process at really any of the hardware manufacturer levels are. For the most part, the primary concern with certification is, is safety and the ability to actually put these pieces of software on hardware, not have them bricked, not have them catch fire, not have them cause damage, not do very significant, very significant problems that would be deemed what we might consider faulty in terms of the way the actual software functions. So when you've got a question that says, hey, Microsoft and Sony get these things that are buggy all the time, 100% they do. Games that are fully released that we think of as game of the year type candidates are buggy. You can have things like a floating piece of weaponry in The Last of Us Part Two, the recently announced game of the year in 2020. It happens, we understand that, but there is a certain level of fidelity, a certain level of performance that we do expect to which folks like Digital Foundry and others that have played it on the baseline PlayStation 4 and Xbox One says that Cyberpunk just flat out doesn't meet. You can't be having 10 frames a second, etc. So in terms of the certification process, goes the CDPR answer, this is definitely on our side. It's our fault. I can only assume that they trusted that we are going to fix things upon release, and that obviously did not come together exactly as we had planned. Regarding the third question, where we want to go with the PlayStation and Xbox, as stated in the statement made public today in the morning, we are planning to get the game in much better shape than it is now, of course, and a lot of that is going to happen in December. So essentially, CD Projekt Red has said, this is on us, but they also really called into question the certification process at the Sony and Xbox levels for a lot of gamers. Gamers had assumed that if it wasn't quite the old Nintendo seal of quality, certification was at least preventing something like this from happening with respect to those baseline copies of Cyberpunk 2077, and it didn't. And now when you start to get into whether Sony or Microsoft will actually issue refunds for these things, the question becomes even larger about what certification is for, what these hardware manufacturers are collecting money for. Because console players see all the time that certification delays things, that a game that's available on a bunch of different platforms like PC gets patched on PC a hundred times before a big patch gets approved at the Sony or the Microsoft levels. Now that has improved, that has gotten faster over the years. It used to be a really big problem, but certainly if the certification process isn't doing much to prevent something like is happening with Cyberpunk 2077, it causes gamers to question not just CD Projekt Red, but the hardware manufacturers themselves. This is what I'm talking about when I say CD Projekt Red is burning everybody when they make statements like this. And we will see this again with respect to the hardware manufacturers as part of another answer. 
They also want to say, hey, just for the record, even when we fix this thing, it, it might not be great. They're trying to temper expectations. Having said that, I'm not saying it's going to be a bad game, but if your expectations regarding, say, visuals or other performance angle are like this, then we're openly stating that's not going to be the case. It will be a good, playable, stable game without glitches and crashes, though. That's the intention. And it becomes a question. When you say, okay, it's not going to have the performance, we don't expect 60 frames per second on the PlayStation 4, but we're going to have a solid 30, right? And visuals aren't going to be the same, but they're going to be, they're going to be quality. They're going to be good. They're not going to have textures not pop in on faces, right? And it all becomes ambiguous. And it really becomes ambiguous when you start to not trust the party making the statement. And in a case like this one, where you start to have all of these statements from apologies yesterday to various sentences in a transcript like this one, and you say, well, I don't really trust what you have just described. Even things that would be easy to trust in another context, like this final sentence, become all the more untrustworthy. And you start to really lose that faith that was mentioned as part of the earlier portion of this transcript. Obviously, the gameplay on old-gen consoles wasn't really shown very much. Could you explain why you decided to hold that back? Look, the internet thinks that you were deliberately hiding this because it looked terrible. How do you answer for yourself? With regard to not showing the console version, we've actually shown console version footage, but never on the last-gen consoles. Understand, when they showed this footage, whenever they were forced to do so, that wasn't the last-gen console when they did that. They only ever showed it on the next-gen consoles, which weren't out at the time that they released those videos, as far as I know. It might be in that November interregnum period between launch and the launch of Cyberpunk 2077 that at least one of them came out. But for the most part, they refused to show what was then the current-gen console footage for years and years and years. The reason, according to CD Projekt Red, is that we were updating the game on last-gen consoles until the very last minute, and we thought we'd make it in time. Now... The subtext of a sentence like that is we were fixing it, we were going to make it better, but we knew it looked terrible. We thought we were going to fix it. We thought we'd make it in time means that we didn't want to show it because we didn't think it was worthy to be shown. We thought it would hurt our sales. And yeah, that's right. That's the truth. The subtext is, but... Folks shouldn't let CD Projekt Red, even if you like their content and their output like I do, off the hook for saying things like this. You're always fixing things up when you've got a release. That is no excuse to hide the ball. Unfortunately, the answer continues, this resulted in giving it to reviewers just one day before the release, which was definitely too late, and the media didn't get the chance to review it properly. That was not intended. We were just fixing the game until the very last moment. It was not intended is a remarkable statement to make about an action that is entirely within your control that you chose not to do until one day before the game was to be released and which the subtext of your answers suggests was because you knew it looked bad, it would review poorly, and it would affect your bottom line. This answer, all highlighted in different colors, is one of the worst answers in this entire statement. And it's one of the reasons why I think CD Projekt Red should, should just take a step back. You know, put the phone down. You don't need to leave all those voicemails. Just, just put the phone down and, and we'll come back to it because you are not helping your case. Also worth noting here, and there's nothing wrong with this, but if people are expecting a lot of work on the project right now, they are currently scheduling holidays. We are scheduling holidays, people are tired, and regardless of the situation, and regardless of patches, we will not simply continue working as before. Our people need to rest a bit. 
it's another kind of component of this release date, right? There's nothing wrong with people getting time off for the holidays. People should get time off for the holidays, but it's also one of the reasons why you don't release a giant open world AAA RPG, which winds up having significant problems two weeks before Christmas, because your options are, okay, let people rest and maybe it doesn't get fixed up in the way that it should. And maybe you have some disappointed people getting presents under the tree, or you work people to death straight through the holiday season. And then you get an evil or mean article about how bad your company is from Jason Schreier over at Bloomberg. So the options aren't great, which is why December 10th is not a great release date. But here we are. He also says, I'm not going to share with you cost. The cost of patching the game is irrelevant compared to what we've already spent. We definitely want to fix the game. We made a promise to gamers and we'll be doing everything to stick with it. Question six, I was wondering whether your console partners like Microsoft and Sony will by any chance participate in the refunds or is the financial burden yours only? The second question, are you considering giving away a bigger DLC for free to make gamers feel less disappointed? And the last one, could you comment on the latest leak from Jason Schreier about your bonus policy? I'll tell you, the last answer to that is we don't comment on other people talking about our studio. No surprise there. But one of the things that is a bit of a surprise is in general, your giant corporation, you've just released one of the biggest games of the year. You're going to go out with a refund offer, a statement to all of your gamers that's going to directly impact your bottom line and Microsoft and Sony, your platform partner's bottom line is maybe you have a conversation with them. Maybe you talk to them about what you're just about to tell the world and how it might interact with their policies. And their first answer suggests that that is not at all what they did. One has to understand, Microsoft and Sony have refund policies for every product that is released digitally on their storefront. In fact, we talked about it yesterday. After purchasing a full game, if you've started to download or stream it, you will not be eligible for a refund, period, unless the content is faulty, which is going to be a determination really of Sony. And some people have brought up consumer protection laws in places like Australia, which might interact with things like this. But faulty in general is something different from 10 or 15 frames per second. There are a lot of games that have bad frame rates, a lot of independent games, a lot of smaller games, and unfortunately, a lot of AAA and well-resourced games. That doesn't tend to be the thing that Sony gives refunds for. So when your CD Projekt Reds the world say, well, they have their own policies. Despite several articles I've seen that things are being set up just for us, it's actually not true. These policies are in place and have always been in place. They're not offered specifically for us. Anyone who has purchased any title on the PlayStation Network or the Microsoft Storefront can ask for a refund. Now, that's a specious enough opening to a sentence anyway, right? As we say in virtual legality, anybody can sue you. The actual question people want to ask is, do they have a chance of winning? What is the potential financial damage to me? So yeah, anybody can go and ask Sony and Microsoft for a refund. You don't even have to purchase the game. You can just come out of the woodwork and say, I'd like 60 bucks, Sony. And then CD Projekt Red says, if it's made within certain boundaries, usually related to time, usage, and so on, you can ask for that refund. And we know that's not, in fact, the case. We know that Sony's baseline rule is no. You streamed it, you downloaded it, it's done, unless it's faulty, right? And if it's not faulty, you can't get a refund from Sony. Now, they might have exceptions. They might have one-offs. I've heard people in my comments and otherwise suggest that maybe you get one free burn of a refund on the PlayStation Network. So I don't know how legitimate those kinds of claims are. But even if you did and you had to use it on this, it's kind of like in American football where you have to use a challenge flag because the refs are dumb. You get your call overturned, but now you have one fewer ability to actually go and bug the refs for a a change in the future. 
So now, like this, you go and you ask for a refund. Maybe you get it and you can't use it for another game that probably is just as deserving of a refund if you're not otherwise abusing the system. But most importantly in this answer is the suggestion that CD Projekt Red didn't set up the playing field at all. They just said, go and talk to Microsoft and Sony. And they're actually not lying. They probably don't know as they give this answer the exact contours of the refund concept because Steam has kind of an hourly and usage component. And Microsoft, as we looked at yesterday, kind of has this kind of feely, hey, we're going to consider how it was used and probably maybe give you a refund, but it's going to be our judgment on whether or not a refund is issued. And maybe players can go and show the CD Projekt Red statement if they are so inclined. Our procedure here with Microsoft and Sony is not different than with any other title released on any of those storefronts. We didn't prep the playing field at all. In case you're wondering how it actually functions, it's exactly as you would expect. The entire money amount gets disgorged from Sony and from CD Projekt Red, and, and nobody makes any money. It's, it's one of the reasons why you get refunds declined. In terms of financial participation, when our product is refunded, the share from the store that Microsoft took is also refunded. And of course, it's something that is subtracted from the share of revenues that would normally be transmitted to CD Projekt. Microsoft gets its 60 bucks or its 63 bucks and it ends the transaction and gets all the money back to the, the, the appropriate people. The, the consumer gets it. There probably hasn't been an accounting out uh, from Microsoft out to CD Projekt Red uh, as of these funds. So it's not really money necessarily going back and forth, but... Nobody makes any money on that sale. It's not CD Projekt Red somehow subsidizing Microsoft and Sony, which might be the kind of thing that is necessitated if Microsoft and Sony say, uh-uh, no, we're not refunding this just because you screwed up. We have stated our policy in terms of what we are doing with the players for now, and that's where we stand. That's in rejecting any kind of free DLC. Here's the deal. You can go and ask for a refund until December 21st, and then you're stuck with us. We're not giving anything else. You shouldn't be asking for it. Thanks for that. And regarding refunds, there's no chance the market will receive an update on the volume or, or number of refunds before the sales report around Christmas. Yes, we don't know. Before Christmas, we will release sales numbers. But in terms of refunds, we're not sure if we'll share this information outside of the company. That's a phenomenal answer. We will release the numbers of people that bought the game, but not necessarily the number of people who immediately returned it. And so we didn't get that financial bump from the sale that we are otherwise likely to be reporting because you have a couple of options. You can report sales, you can report net sales, or you can report sales and refunds. If they just report sales without any netting and without any refund discussion, it's not a terribly clear picture of what has actually happened. So one of the things to follow if you're interested in this story is, does CD Projekt Red in the next 10 days or so, or even before the end of the year, do they release any information on the uptake on refunds? It wouldn't surprise me if they didn't release specifics and they instead say something along the lines of, we're very satisfied with the number of players who have chosen to stick with us in CD Projekt Red and we intend to make them proud and glad that they did. The refunds have been smaller in number than even we had anticipated and we're very glad to be CD Projekt Red. Merry Christmas to one and all. That's what I would expect the statement to say, especially if they aren't going to share details. And you'll note, it doesn't matter what the actual refund number did in order to say that. You set it against expectations, you corporate message a little bit. Yeah, that's what we do in this business. In terms of the shape of the game after optimization, we pretty much said it earlier in the call. The game will have no crashes, the main bugs will be eliminated, and we're looking to improve both performance and graphic fidelity. That's going to be spread out across various patches. And of course, a pretty important update will happen this month. And then we have a bit of a segue. Actually, the game is playable right now. 
that may be an important thing to state because it's not like the game doesn't launch or is unplayable. I fully understand that the experience is far from satisfactory for a lot of people, and we do acknowledge that, but, but not playable sounds like it doesn't launch at all, which is not the case. Now, why is this particularly interesting? Because as we just talked about, Sony is looking for things that are faulty. And now you have an entire sentence from CD Projekt Red in their transcript that says, just to be clear, this thing isn't faulty. It's just bad. And we're going to make it better. But it doesn't burn your house down. It doesn't shut down your PlayStation 4. It's just a not great performing game. But not playable is too strong. Sony could easily put this in one of their text chat box and say, nope. CD Projekt Red has said it is not, not playable. It does launch and we're going to improve performance. We're not giving refunds. So this goes directly against what they should be trying to achieve with the Sonys and maybe even the Microsofts of the world. Microsoft is an interesting case because they are, of course, marketing partners with Microsoft. And I'm sure Microsoft isn't thrilled that this launch has become something of a controversy on really all points like these. So could this have only been on the new generation of consoles and PCs? Here's another kind of slightly disingenuous answer. So the answer here is no. Next gens are getting a completely different version of the game. So it's not like we could have decided at any point recently to flip the switch, so to say, and change the old gen version to the next gen version and release only on next gens. As you have noticed, there is no native next gen release. The game runs on next gens and takes advantage of how next gens are performing. But it's not like we had a next gen version in our hands and decided to keep it on the shelf. And I think this is disingenuous because the, the primary question here is, let's say you relabeled Cyberpunk 2077 as Xbox Series X, S, and PlayStation 5 only with respect to consoles and released the exact same code and then put out a statement that said, hey, we are also going to enhance the crap out of this next year with better resolutions, better textures, maybe ray tracing, whatever else they're going to do as what they currently consider the quote unquote next gen version of the game. That is the question that this particular questioner is actually asking. Could you have just released this on next-gen consoles? Not whatever your internal next-gen version could that have been released two weeks ago where he says no. He answers a different question than what is realistically being asked because everybody is asking the realistic question. Well, if this game works fine on Series X and PlayStation 5, even if it's not ideal and it's going to get better next year, Maybe you should have just not released it on the PlayStation 4 and on the Xbox One. And he says, no, we couldn't do that. But he ignores the actual premise of that question. They continue ignoring it. We decided upon a last-gen version. And as you can see, we have not yet properly released or released a proper next-gen version. We don't have it ready yet. This is what we're working on. And I sincerely hope that this will serve as another incentive for the gamers to keep the game and not return it. Now, I don't know how many people are planning on returning it from kind of the Series X or PlayStation 5 side of things. I, I understand that performance is, is pretty much okay on those consoles. As I said before in prior videos, I'm playing it on the Series X and have been satisfied with it, even though it's at 30 frames per second. But it's important to note that we decided upon a last-gen version actually means we decided on a version that only runs on next-gen consoles regardless of what they want to call it. And so it's really disingenuous and it strains that credibility in a way that isn't useful if you're trying to communicate as a corporation. As far as players' feedback is concerned, the feedback for the PC edition is far better than what we're getting on consoles. 
Not that the game is perfect, it's a gigantic world, so at launch there'll always be some glitches and problems on various configurations, but with regard to the console experience, we've already fixed a lot of crashes with the last hotfix, and this time again we will be mostly looking at crashes and game-breaking bugs. I sincerely hope that by Christmas, gamers will be able to enjoy the game on consoles. Now, enjoy, of course, means that you'll actually like the performance or, or like the gameplay that's afforded to you, and not that it won't operate, as was said in the prior answer. But it does cause the question of saying, well, if you release it on December 10th, what do you mean you hope that people will like it by Christmas? Also worth noting, in your actual comments here, you say you can contact us for a week up until December 21st, 2020. Is that intended to be the end of the period in which you will help folks get refunds? And that's really only for box versions as far as we can tell. Because if that is in fact the case, Christmas comes after that. And while you sincerely hope it'll be fine by Christmas, that player that gets the PlayStation 4 copy might not have a version that he quote unquote enjoys very much at all. It's a real problem, both in communications and the actual structure of what CD Projekt Red has caused going into this holiday season. One important point, we're discussing old gen consoles and negative feedback there, but we also have tons of positive feedback from players playing the game on old gen consoles, so it's not strictly negative. I would really love it if you could point me, if you're watching this video, listening to this podcast, in a comment to this video, to just a few places where folks are really happy with the PlayStation 4 or Xbox One performance and version of this game. I have not seen that anywhere. And that doesn't mean that I can see everything everywhere. And I don't mean to suggest that they're lying here. Undoubtedly, there are CD Projekt Red fans. There are cyberpunk fans that will say, ah, it's fine for right now and I can wait for it to get better. And so I'm going to give you positive feedback on what I think is actually a great underlying game. But it would surprise me if there's an awful lot out of that. We have tons, tons of positive feedback from players playing the game on old gen consoles. Again, you're straining credibility for no particular reason. Also wanted to point out a few things that they did reveal here. The pre-order numbers were split between PCs and consoles, 59-41. PC gamers are usually more active on the pre-order front, and then consoles tend to get stronger after the release. So that's a pretty close kind of split, 59-41, for consoles, just in terms of what CD Projekt Red thought and were expecting. In terms of the mix between next gens and current gens, we weren't really looking at it like this because we knew that for next gens, we were going to be launching on the current gen platform. So from a purely marketing platform or purely marketing perspective, it's a bit irrelevant. And again, you get either, either they're wrong and they're not thinking about it properly or what this actual launch wound up looking like, or they're being disingenuous, which is that Cyberpunk 2077's console release right now is primarily a Series X, Series S, PlayStation 5 launch. And that's the facts on the ground. So they say, well, we weren't really focused on it. We weren't focused on telling where people were playing it, next gen or current gen, because we knew we were going to be launching on the current gen platforms. So from a purely marketing perspective, it's a bit irrelevant. And you, it, it causes you to ask the question, what if the PlayStation 5 and Series X were delayed? Let's say they were delayed a year. Would, would Cyberpunk 2077 have really launched on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One in the way that they launched this last December 10th. I really doubt that as the primary console focus of the game to launch in that state would have been devastating for Cyberpunk and for CD Projekt Red. So this was very useful for them to have a next-gen launch, but to pretend that the actual software they released is old-gen or last-gen, it really does strain that credibility in a fashion that isn't terribly helpful for the company. 
We're getting towards the end here. How would you expect the revenue generated over the year by the game to compare to a more traditional launch, given that a lot of gamers might be thinking, I'm just going to wait maybe six months or a year before I get a next-gen console in order to play the game? Okay, so first of all, we've publicly offered a free update to everyone who bought the game on old-gen consoles and wants to upgrade to a next-gen console, so I hope it won't cause any gamers to withhold their purchase decision and wait for a next-gen console. On top of that, obviously, an update will be given out once we prepare the next-gen version of the game, which will happen next year, so we will have another opportunity to offer the game to those who haven't decided to buy it by that time. But what's interesting there, of course, is that folks might well say, I'm going to wait for a next-gen console because the version right now on the PlayStation 4 is, as described by Digital Foundry and many other places on the internet, effectively unacceptable. So you have what amounts to a statement or series of statements from CD Projekt Red, which is a company in terms of artistic output that I really like, I really respect, I love The Witcher 3, I've enjoyed my time with Cyberpunk so far, that if we want to give them the benefit of the doubt, is enormously naive and myopic about their marketing strategy, about their development strategy, about how they treated old-gen platforms and now next-gen platforms. That's the benefit of the doubt version, is that they are silly people that didn't know what they were doing with the release. The not benefit of the doubt version is that most of these answers and most of this statement is deliberately obfuscatory, is hiding the ball because they don't want to admit what seems obvious to so many people, which is that we knew it was coming in hot. We knew people wouldn't like it. We hid all of that imagery from the games. We prohibited people from using their own footage, especially on consoles. We issued DMCA takedown notices for things that probably weren't copyright infringement. Check out Virtual Legality for more discussion of those things. And we did it all to benefit our bottom line with the knowledge that we could cash in on some of our goodwill and equity by telling people, hey, you can refund it, but it might be a little bit of trouble for you. Sony and Microsoft have their own policies. And even if you wanted to refund it, they might not give it to you, but you don't need to refund it. Thank you for your $60 because we're going to take care of you. Just going to take a little bit longer than we would have liked. And yeah, maybe the release date should have been next spring, but honestly, this was release date number four. And so we needed to make sure we hit it. That's, that's the not-so-benefit-of-the-doubt interpretation of a transcript like this. So, as has been the case across 2020, it's been a very interesting year in virtual legality for a number of these video game companies. Whether it comes to copyright, corporate messaging, Bioware's Anthem, CDPR's Cyberpunk, Sony's Last of Us Part Two. we've had a number of interesting discussions on these points. And while I very much wish we didn't have to have them, because I think there are better ways to handle basically every decision that CD Projekt Red has made going into this last month before release, I'm glad that you're joining me for them here in virtual legality. And if you like this, please like, please subscribe, ring bells, tell people that we are talking about the business and law of video games, movies, music, television, pop culture in general that you're already interested in because we think that information and education and understanding why you're seeing things in the news the way you're seeing them will help everybody enjoy their favorite pastimes all the more. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.